Welcome to the Homegirls. Four top producing mega realtors, moms, wives, and friends talking about real estate and real life. Angela, Kristen, Jessica, and Lindsay are in the top 1% of all real estate agents and would be honored to receive your real estate referrals in Colorado. Join us as we drop a new episode every Monday anywhere podcasts are aired, in real life on YouTube, and connect with us every day on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HomegirlsCO. Thanks for listening. We love you. Hi, everybody. We're the Homegirls, and we are here today with the fabulous, wonderful, amazing charismatic, lovely Hudson Warren, who is with the HomeWise team in Florida. Hudson, tell us about your team and what cities you cover because you're doing some expansion stuff down there in Florida right now. Yeah, yeah, so we started the team um, back in 2014 in Southwest Florida, Fort Myers, Naples. And that's where I lived. I lived there for about five years. And so we, uh, we started there. I became a coach with Keller Williams. I became a bold coach. And when that happened, we decided to move up to Tampa because quite frankly, when you're traveling all the time, which I don't, the irony is apparent because nobody's really traveling all the time now. And yet at the time I was traveling all the time. So we moved up to where there was a bigger airport and more stuff for our kids to do. So, um, so we expanded the team. So we now cover the West coast of Florida all the way from Marco Island, which is like the southernmost town on the West coast all the way up through all of Tampa Bay and out to Orlando. So we have like this pie of Florida that we cover um, and we will continue to expand. And yet that's where we are for right now. So when we all want to buy an Airbnb or vacation home in Florida, then we should come to you is what you're saying. You, you should, and you should do it because they're bringing in Buku bucks now. Cause I think most people are afraid of hotels anyways, and they still want to go places. And the cool thing about the beach is that that is year round. Um, Because even in like Orlando, I've noticed a lot of the Airbnbs are suffering a bit because, you know, the the park shut down, like there's no other, if you're in Orlando, don't get offended. There's no other big reason to go to Orlando for vacation. It's it's the parks. So, um, and yet the beach is always the beach. So people always want to be there. Yeah. I just totally ticked off a bunch of Orlando people. Sorry. Love you. I mean, right. honestly, they know that. They know there's nothing else to do there. We all hate it. Don't We don't go to iDrive. No one goes there. Like, right. Well, and I grew up in Southern California in Long Beach. And so there was Anaheim, which everybody in Anaheim knows. Again, I know, I'm just going to, how many people can I offend right in the <laughs> first two minutes? Like, there's, like, Anaheim is just, it's Disneyland and a bunch of stuff around it. Like, it is what yeah. it is. Let's move on to where I'm not offending people. Okay. <laughs> Um, I don't know. That's going to be hard to avoid with us and you on a call. Perfect. Actually, yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, okay. So I want to hear, like, I feel like I know pieces of your story because like for us and other people that have listened to our show for a while, we had Dan Ludwig on our show previously. Ah. And so Hudson and Dan worked together at one strange point in time in another city yes. in another lifetime. So Walk us through your whole real estate career, how you fell in love with real estate, and where you are now. Uh, So I started real estate in 2006 in Long Beach, California. And um, after a few years, I got a little busy. So I decided to put a team together, which I didn't do anything right. And yet, although Dan was awesome, and Dan was one of the people that I brought on, he came on as a buyer's agent. We didn't have an admin, so it didn't really make a lot of sense. And yet, whatever, we worked together for, I don't know, probably about a year and a half. 
Um, and he became a great friend. So we've stayed in touch all these years and now he's crushing it, which is super awesome to see. Um, cause at least that tells me I was right and that he was talented. I just didn't do everything right. So no, we've stayed friends all these years. Um, how did I fall in love with real estate? I mean, honestly, accidentally, um, I've always, I mean, I, I love homes. I love people. I, I thought I would be an architect and then I was like, Oh, I don't want to go to school that long. And then I, um, you know, I kind of, I was the guy in my late teens, early twenties that kind of just like hopped around to different jobs. And, uh, I got to the point where I was no longer willing to sit in a cubicle or work in a retail store. So I decided to get my real estate license and lo and behold, I was not bad at it. So I've been doing it now for gosh, like almost 15 years. Ooh, makes me feel old. We got, and I love it. It's been great. So, um, yeah, so I mean, and I've done all sorts of other things now. I mean, I've had a team, I've done it solo. Now I've got the expansion team going. I've worked in, you know, two states. I've worked in multiple cities. And um, so one of the things that I've learned that I think it's important for other people in real estate to learn is that you, you can still move. Like you can still change your life and stay in the business. Like your world doesn't fall apart. You know, I didn't lose everything. Like nothing crazy happened. I just, you just do the same things you were doing and you'll still sell homes. Um, so that was really cool. And then, yeah, I became a coach and now I've got this expansion team and I, I don't know if you even know, I'm, I'm becoming a team leader. So I'm taking on a team leader position with Keller Williams. So we're super not busy ever in this house. <laughs> um, you also adopted three amazing little boys. It's been really cool to like Facebook stalk your journey over the last couple of years because you got married to the man of your dreams, right? And I then did. adopted three little boys and now are adopting two girls. Is that right? We are, we're certifiable and we're gonna be a family of seven. So yeah, we adopted our three boys. Um, they've been with us almost exactly two years and um, we are in the process of adopting um, two little girls that are sisters and they are not with us yet. They sh we're hoping they're with us sometime this month. Lots, lots of fun red tape. So how has your, um, being that we're four women, like we like to dig into the personal aspects of what happens when you mix a totally. business with a crazy, life so like how has it changed for you becoming a father and not just like a thought like three at once like and how old are they uh well they're four five and six now they were two three and four when we got them so diapers and they were already mobile i mean it was rather intense and the best thing we've ever done how did it affect your business or how did you have to change your business to manage your life with all those new pieces? Uh, you know, I will say that I was already pretty, I'm a firm believer in leverage and I'm not perfect with it. And yet I'm pretty good about it. And so I was already fairly leveraged. Um, the, the people on the team that were with me at the time had been with me long enough that, you know, they, they supported me on a personal level doing what I was doing. So they knew that for a few weeks I was gonna be fairly absent when we first took the boys on um, because it's not the same as having a newborn, but I feel like three of them at once, basically it was like having a newborn. So, um, and yet after those first few weeks, I mean, it was definitely different and yet it didn't have any negative impact on the business. And I already was the type like, I, 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 I'm not a Pop-Tart realtor, I don't do, whatever anybody tells me to do. Like, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good about setting boundaries. 
Uh, not great. I could always be better, and yet I'm pretty good about it. So um, yeah, it didn't. I honestly didn't change that much, other than once in a while there's like a kid with me when I go to show a property because when you have multiple kids, any of you watching that have multiple kids, you know, sometimes you just need to separate them. Um, so yeah, but other than that, I mean, honestly, it wasn't a lot of change and, and I did marry the man of my dreams. And so ha having that piece is really important too. Like I'm not doing it alone. I don't know how anybody does it alone, especially since I've had kids. Every time I meet a single parent, I just want to hug them and maybe slip them a shot of something. Like I just, I, I don't know how single parents do it and my hat goes off. I've got a really supportive spouse. So, you know, and who also works flexible in a flexible type environment. So we've been able to make it work without that many awful, crazy changes. So you said that you didn't build a team correctly the first time around. Will you yeah. elaborate on that? Like what was the biggest failure and then what was the biggest change when you started over? Uh, the biggest failure was, first of all, I wasn't even doing enough business to have a team. I was, and I was busy all the time, but I was just busy. Like busy's no good, right? Like I was babysitting deals. And so I felt like I needed help. And then, and I just also, I have the attention span of a gnat and I've learned to fix that a bit. And yet that's my natural. And so I did hire, I hired an assistant. No, I didn't. I hired an agent first. I had my mom get her license. So she came to work with me and yet she at the time kept her job. So she wasn't available a ton. And so then I brought on an assistant who was part-time who had no experience and was just a friend who was looking for a job. So shocker, like that didn't work very well. I didn't, I didn't vet them out. I just took somebody cause they raised their hand and I feel like this is what most agents do. So I'm not really that embarrassed by it. And well, then I'm, happy I'm in the middle of this. And so now yeah, I'm right from all and of you. So, so I and so the, and then I, and then Dan came on and Dan was talent, was awesome. And yet I didn't give Dan what he needed. I mean, he probably would have stayed with me a lot longer if I would have. Um, and he actually, he stayed with me a decent amount of time. He was with me up until I was going to, until I moved to Florida, which is a whole other story. Um, and so I just, I just kept like piecing things together rather than planning. And I think that's the problem. And I, and I am a firm believer, look, there, there's no one way that's going to work for every single person. I'm not that naive. And yet I do really believe in the models of the millionaire real estate agent book. You hire an assistant first. Like it's just, it makes so much sense. And I think that most, I think the reason most agents don't do it is because they're afraid of being on the hook for the salary. Um, and, and I get it. Like I, I really get it honestly, because when I finally hired somebody full time, like the right way, because then when I moved to Florida, PS, I did it the wrong way again, because I'm a really quick learner. So I moved to Florida, got busy very quickly and decided to bring on a hybrid agent slash assistant. Well, guess what never happened? The assistant work because they just wanted to sell. And so I, you know, jacked that up again. And then I, I was in coaching at that point at least. So I finally bought into coaching at a high level and my coach convinced me to, you know, it was time for the admin. It was time to do it the right way. And when I found that person who's still with me today, like four years later, so I'll win on that. And he's now my director of my uh, director of sales. Um, he, I brought him on and I, this whole long story is to talk about the fear of the salary. I was mortified. I was busy at the time. 
and I, I had to chase him. It was, it was somebody from my sphere. I didn't just grab the first person. It, I vetted him out at a high level. I had to chase him to get him to join me. He agreed. And by the time he agreed and he was going to start, when he was going to start, he was going to start, like it was January 2nd of whatever year it was. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to pay him. And I remember going into my coach and almost crying <laughs> and saying like, I don't know how I'm going to pay him. I barely have what I need for my bills. I've got some stuff under contract. Like, but that's not like, that's terrifying. And my coach who I trusted looked at me and said, just do it. You're going to figure it out. I promise you, you're going to figure it out. And I did. And that's the hire that changed my world. And I never missed paying him. Um, same as Andy Brinkotter. You can message him and find him. He has a weird last name, Brinkotter. You can vet me. I never didn't pay him. He always got his paycheck and I never lost my house or my car. So I always figured out my bills and very quickly that hire paid off. And then we started to add agents and we did it the right-ish way. I mean, there's no like, I mean, we still have all sorts of failures. I mean, daily. Um, and yet we're a pretty well-oiled machine now. And, you know, the numbers are there to support it and, and, and life is good. And, and, it, and bringing in that talent was such a game changer for me. Like that's the first time I ever actually felt like I had real leverage. Like I could actually take the day off or go on a vacation and actually shut my phone off for a few days because I had somebody competent enough to actually handle whatever came up and I trusted them. And that's the big thing too. And I think that's why when you're hiring somebody, it, it should be, whether you follow, like if you're Keller Williams and you follow career visioning or whether you do whatever, I do think it should be a fairly drawn out process because you really want to know that person. You want to get the good, the bad and the ugly and know if, because it's a lot of, to me, it's a lot of trust when you bring somebody into your world and you're a small, as small of a business as we are in real estate. What do you think holds people back from hire, making their first hire and hiring an assistant other than the money? Because it can't just be the money. I understand the salary thing, but there's something else you have to get over and that's the delegation side of it. It's the, you know, I can do it better. So I might as well just do it myself. I'm probably going to do it anyway. So why am I paying somebody? So what advice would you give somebody that's like right in that area where they don't quite know how to make the leap and start delegating? The, so you're not that special. Like, and, and I say that with love because like it, you're just not like real estate's not brain surgery. And I think that there's a lot of ego in the business, myself included. So like no judgment on it. And it's just very like, you can't make somebody buy or sell a house. Like they're going to do it because they want to, you can give them good reasons to hire you. You know, when a deal starts to fall apart, it's either going to work or it isn't like there's very rarely, is there anything that you can really do? And yet we think that we're God and we can do everything awesome. And I, and I think that's the challenge. Like that's why you don't want to delegate because you think you're so special and, and I'm sure you are in certain ways. So are a million other people though. So just go find somebody else who's got some talent, bring them on with you. You know, I, I think that's the thing. Like you have to actually go out and spend some time to find somebody who's worthwhile. Um, and I think the other thing is we're stubborn. Like I think most, I think that entrepreneur mentality, you know, you're usually a fairly stubborn person. I'm super stubborn. I have no problem admitting it. And so I think the other thing is we all think it's going to be better to just go get a buyer's agent. Like that'll free up my time. That's great. And I don't have to pay them anything up front. And yet it's so much more expensive in the long run. And if you're not really and truly ready and don't have a good system, which all comes from the operational side, like they're not going to stay with you. And that's why buyer's agents become like this turnstile of like, they come for a few months and they go and they come for a few months and they go 
because most agents, again, for many years, myself included, are doing it wrong and you don't really have any value to provide other than your experience. And yet they can go get a coach for that or they can go find somebody really nice in the office who will just help them for free. You know, so I just, I, I think that's the thing. It's like, we think that we're the best at everything. And I think the truth is when you're doing everything within your business, you're not really great at anything. You might think you're killing it and you might have a really good personality so that most people do like, they do like their experience with you, but it could be so much better if you had systems and people in place so that you weren't doing it all. Because, you know, I, I always go back to the saying, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, right? Like if you're doing everything, you're never going to really excel. And, and I'm going to tell you, leverage is like, I'm obsessed with leverage at this point. Like I, like our next big goal is to bring in a nanny. That's not because I want to be a hands-off parent. That's because we don't need to do the minutiae every day. I don't need to do 8,000 loads of laundry every single day. Like why? Like, why would we not, you know, I think that when you, when you really get leverage and it took me way more than 10 years in the business to figure it out, but when you really actually get it and give in, like there's so many things we do on a day-to-day -day basis where we could either be doing something that's really making us money or just doing something we enjoy. Like you don't have to work 24 seven. Like, and yeah, I feel like most agents do. That's why we burn out, you know? I think it's probably cause we don't know anything else. We don't know what we like to do cause we've never had the opportunity to do it in the last 10, 15, 20 years, whatever. Um, so it's weird yeah. to have free time once you have leverage. <laughs> That's what I'm running into anyway. I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself. I have leverage now and I got a lot of free time and I don't know what to do with it. I guess I'll get my nails done again. I don't know. Well, it's an awesome problem. And I feel like you either, okay, find a hobby or find something you enjoy doing. Or yeah. like one of the things I love about like Keller Williams as a company is that to me, it's, it's the land of and instead of the land of or like, cool, you have more time, go do something else. You go start another business. You could go do yeah. like, there's so many options for you. And that's something that I've embraced in the last couple of years. I mean, I feel like I have 12 jobs and I kind of do. And yet it's really cool because I also have those, that many streams of income. And I have so many, like, you know, this person over here in this part of my world gives me some amazing idea that I can implement into the real estate team. Like, it's just, it's, it's so great. And yet it is weird at first. It's totally weird at first because I am a busybody. And I don't do well with downtime. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah. Uh, now, I was just going to ask you, what the uh, what is the deal with the llama in the background? Um, does he have a name? What's his whole story? Like, I feel like I need to know. I think it's Hudson. I feel like if you had. I on feel a, like I. What? I said I think it's Hudson. If you had on a bow tie. I mean, it essentially is. I mean, if I. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much the same profile. Um, it's just, I live in Florida. I'm not putting on a tie. I would perish. Um, no, I mean, he doesn't have a name. I kind of wanted to make one up, but then I'd be inauthentic. He doesn't have a name. I just, I think he's cool. He's right there. He watches over me. He judges my kids real hard too when they're coming in the room and I'm trying to work. So <laughs> I feel um, like I'm being judged with my homeless person, like by the llama. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, you're not at all. And I mean, my favorite thing in the room, let's see, I hate the mirroring is my sign behind me. I don't know if you can read it. You wear my sassy pants on today. I love it. That's my prized possession. More than the llama, it just doesn't really work well for the Zoom. My head, my 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 giant melon is usually blocking it. So <laughs> I like it. Um. So, so what else? 
consider um, buying a investment property in Florida right now, um, Airbnb or a vacation property, what are a couple of key places that you would be looking at and what kind of an ROI should people be expecting on that kind of thing? So I would, so I would be looking, so if I'm being super real, because some of it's not even my area, um, Destin and all of the little cities around Destin are on fire right now. And they're, the benefit to that is that they're a lot easier to get to for anybody that lives in the South. Like it's a drivable trip. I mean, they could drive down to us. It's an extra, I mean, we just went on vacation there. I mean, it is a long drive. Florida's a long state. It was like seven hours. So Destin is really good. And if anybody was, anybody watches this and, and is interested, reach out. To, my name's Hudson Warren. I'm really easy to find on Facebook. Reach out to me and I have a great agent up there. Uh, that's a great place. And you've got, they're building brand new properties, which to me for an Airbnb is super smart because people are rough on them. And so when it's brand new, you're going to get some life out of it. When you pick up, like I've got a friend who's got an Airbnb and it's an older home and they gutted it and it's beautiful. But it's still an old home and they constantly have issues with plumbing and stuff like that. So um, they're doing new homes and you can pick one up for like 700 something thousand dollars, which sounds like a lot that's furnished and ready to rent. And it's like six bedrooms. I mean, it's a huge place and you can walk to the beach. And so if you do whatever the mortgage math is on that, and we actually, I got connected to a, I've got a lender who will actually do 0% down on an investment property and the rates higher than market and yet not insane. Um, it's like for something. And if you do the math, I mean, they're bringing in between a hundred and $120,000 a year, those rentals at that price. So it's insane cash flow, and I'm not like an investor expert. So when you say ROI, I know what you mean, and I don't have the percentage for you. I just know that that's a really good return. Um, so there's things like that, and then I would also now more in my area, like anything like St. Pete, Clearwater, yeah, super solid bet. Um, and you don't have to be right on the beach. I think as long as you're within five minutes of the beach or so, you're really good. The challenge there is that you are probably looking at something older, so you'd want to make sure that you're in love with fixing old houses or it's really, really been renovated and they didn't just do the pretty stuff. They did the plumbing and the electrical and stuff like that. Um, same thing though, bringing in crazy money. I mean, I've got the, my friend that I mentioned, she's in Indian rocks, which is really kind of part of Clearwater St. Beach. It's just a small area. You know, she's getting, you know, little, very small three bedroom, two bath with a pool, pretty walkable to the beach, not on the beach. I mean, she's getting like 400 bucks a night and it's booked constantly. So that's really good. And then it like, it depends on your MO. If you go further south, like to Naples or Fort Myers areas like that, there's a lot more rental restrictions. So mm -hmm. it's really hard to do the short-term rentals. And yet that's a snowbird area where a lot of the older folk go in the winter. And so you don't get great return all year. And yet there's a good five to six months where people will come and pay stupid money and rent it for one month, two months, three months. So it's just to me, I think if you're a savvy investor, that's still good. Or if it's something you're going to use the other months, I think if you're a newer investor, it's a little scary because the income is not, you know, it's like nothing and then tons. Whereas I think if you stick towards, if you stick in areas where there's not as much down, like where you can rent short term and if it's beach, really in Florida in the winter, you can still go to the beach. So I think then you've got pretty consistent income throughout the year and you're not like, oh crap, for two months of the year worried about making your mortgage because you didn't set money aside.
would not that that's something I would do. It's just totally something that I would do. So um, yeah, those are the areas I would say. Um, Daytona Beach has got a lot going on too. Um, Jacksonville, I would say, yeah, I think beaches. And then if you go south, there's a lot of activity. There's just honestly, it's so overcrowded to begin with. And there's so many Airbnbs like Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Like I just, I don't think, I, I wouldn't go spend my money there. I feel like there's too much competition. I think it, it's a little easier on our coast. Destin is still kind of up and coming, so it's really easy there. And then same thing, Jacksonville, I mean, big area, Daytona, big area. It's just not quite, it, it's not as overrun with people as it is when you go further south on the East Coast. Yeah, I love the Gulf yeah. Coast, the part that you're in. I grew up in Orlando, like, my whole life, um, and we would always go um, over to Clearwater Beach. It was my favorite beach because you could see through the water, so you knew what was biting you, which is super helpful. I feel like Lindsay would love that. Um, and there's not a ton of gross seaweed and stuff, which I hate. Um, I'm sure Lindsay does too, um, based on some of her posts lately. Um, but I love that beach. It's super calm. It's relaxing. The sand is clean. Like it's super clean. That's the thing about it. So if you're looking at investment properties in Florida, look at Clearwater, look at the whole area. Um, Dustin, everywhere that you said, um, they're super close to airports and a great return on your investment and in a couple of years it'll be paid off and you can enjoy it for the rest of your life it's pretty awesome and especially if you have a lender that's doing zero percent down <laughs> it's crazy you've got to have a pretty i think it's like a 740 or above credit score so you've got it however i mean that's amazing like why that's, that's why such, such so low risk i've never heard of that in my life actually that's crazy yeah. This this lender only lends in Florida and Alabama, and I think maybe Georgia. There's there's three states they lend in. It's a credit union. It's it's super random, but I I know multiple people that have done it. I mean, it's a real thing. So that's a heck of a contact you have there, sir. For real. <laughs> Sounds like the four of us homegirls need to buy a vacation property in Dustin. I don't think it's a horrible okay. idea, and I I would I rent it from you too. Um, so on that note, cause you brought up other agents, I feel like one of the things that you do super well and you really, really excel at is agent to agent referrals. So do you know how many of those you do a year? Like what your percentage of agent referrals becomes your business? It's pretty consistently around 50%. So when I, so that's kind of how I built my business when I moved to Florida. So when I started in California, I did lots of open houses and I'm going to guess it's probably similar in your area. I mean, we're so populated in California. The market's always crazy, even when it's bad. And so open houses are a huge draw. You're, you're going to get 20, 30 people through when the market's normal. When the market's crazy, you literally won't be able to keep up with people. Um, and so between open houses and just fear, like, and having a high price point, you know, I didn't have to do a lot. And I was making 200, 250 grand a year. And I was in my 20s, like life was good. And then when I moved to Florida and started over, I cut the price point in half and I had zero sphere and open, I mean, a busy open house was like three to five people through. And I just feel like they always had agents. And so I, but I've been with the company a long time and I, I like people and I like, I like like-minded people. So usually I get along well. I mean, a lot of my closest friends are in the industry. And so I started working other agents for business. Florida is also super transient and there's a lot of areas that are similar. Um, so it's not just Florida. And so anyway, so that's how I started the business. And for the last four, probably five years, at least 50% of our business has been agent referrals. 
Um, and so this year, I mean, this year we've already closed over 50 um, just agent referrals. So it's, it's become such a huge part of everything that we do. And it's just not that hard either. Like it's, I, I like a referral based business, first of all, because you're always getting, well, not always, you're almost always getting a warm lead. You're almost always going in with some buy-in, with some trust, with some rapport. It, it's not so cold as internet leads or even open house leads. Like, so I just, I, I love it. And, you know, I, I've had people over the years, you know, say like, why do you transition to something else? Cause you, you know, you got to pay referral fees and all that. I'm like, I don't have to prospect for that business. Like that business shows up. It's it, what it is, is I, I started jokingly saying this and yet it really, it's, it's a farm. Agents are my farm. So I don't farm a geographical area. I don't farm even really a demographic other than I farm agents. And so, you know, it's funny because if you post, if somebody posts on any of the 5,000 Facebook groups for an agent in one of my areas, depending on the time of day and who saw it, like I'll probably get called out anywhere from five to like 15 or 20 something obnoxious times. And what's funny, and of course people in my market like to give me crap and be like, oh, you get all the referrals, why do we even bother? I'm like, I get almost none of those referrals. Like I rarely get the referrals where you see my name. I get referrals from agents that I know. I get referrals from people who don't want their phone to blow up for the next four hours. And rather than posting a referral, they go into those groups, they search for a city and they see that my name has come up and they see that I responded and was actually professional and they reach out direct. So it's funny because most of, most of the business I get from agent referrals has nothing to do with what people see online, if that makes sense. Like it, those aren't the ones that I get very rarely, maybe like one out of 10. So it's, it's been awesome though. And it's moving into new markets in the state. That's kind of how we've gotten started, especially up here in Tampa, because as of right now, I am the agent up here. Now that's going to change as I move into the leadership role. Um, and yet I'm the agent. I don't have any contacts up here except other agents. So it was just letting the people who already know me, like me and support me. Hey, I moved up here. Don't forget me for down there. And yet I'm working up here now. And that's how I've started to get business up here. So it's really, it was like this accidental gift that's just kept on giving. So I'm going to ask him that. I met, so I met Hudson because I was standing at some shitty restaurant in Disney World and I had referred a listing, to, no, a buyer to another agent. It was down, a buyer, yeah. Yeah, in that Naples area. And he ended up deciding that he needed to switch areas and that agent, it was Lori Reader's team. They didn't cover it anymore. And so I went in one of those Facebook groups and posted and Hudson, swear to God, like called me at Disney World, like before I was even finished with the post, I feel like, like it was like so fast. <laughs> um, it was amazing. So like, are there any tips? I know it might be proprietary to you, but anything that you would share to an agent that's newer in the business or people that are already doing it that want to increase that vertical in their business? How are you, how are you doing it? Okay, so and just like anything, ticket too. Yeah, so just like oh, the golden ticket is so stupid, and yet it works. So, yes. so hash. You know, if you click a hashtag on Facebook, it takes you to any other post where that hashtag is done. So, and I stole this. For, I stole this from my friend Laura Myers. So, and she's the most amazing agent ever in Phoenix. 
Um, I've worked with her multiple times. She's become a close friend. She was at my wedding. I love her to death. She, for years, she's been doing this get, uh, get your green envelope. And, and honestly, I don't know if she puts anything else in it. I just saw the idea and liked it. So I stole it and did get your golden ticket because I found these awful, I don't have any at the desk right now, but these like gaudy, like metallic gold envelopes. I have had so many agents reach out to me being like, what's in there? And I, and honestly, just to be kind of like a jerk, like I was always like, no, well, you have to send me a referral. Like I, I only send them to people who send me a referral. There's nothing in there except the referral check. That's all that I put in there is the referral check and like the closing statement. So the office can process it. It gets so much interest, A, and then B, it gets, it gives validity because I feel like the other thing is sometimes when you get called out a ton, people assume that you actually don't really do any business and you just spend all day on Facebook asking people to help you. Yep. If you go and click that, well, you, you're not going to see just the places I've commented on referrals. You're going to see every time I've sent out a referral check to an agent and stuff like that. And so it builds a little validity. Um, and yet, like back to the main question, it's it, just like anything else, it's consistency and patience because it really is like a farm. So it's not like I decided one day I was going to go after agent referrals and they just started raining down. Like it wasn't like that. I had to make, I had to really cement some relationships I already had. Um, you know, if you're going to get into agent referrals, get into the groups on Facebook and look, I love Keller Williams and you can go through command to do referrals and that's fine. And yet it, there's no real relation there. And so I, I'm a bigger fan of the Facebook groups. You go in and you see who's active. You look for friends that you maybe already have that are active. Like that's where you start. And I think that you start to build relationships. You go deep, not wide. Um, you don't need 8,000 agents that know who you are and are going to comment for you. You need, 10 or 20 people who think you're awesome and trust you and maybe have done done business with you before or you just you've gotten to know them like that's all you really need like you just need a tribe of people that supports you um and then organically you'll get referrals because you've got people watching your back i think that um the other thing is you go in and you make sure like you see who you, it's also important to see who like where are people coming from like what's the move pattern? So in your city, like, like I know, especially for Fort Myers and Naples, we get a lot of Michigan. We get a lot of uh, Ohio. We get a lot of, um, why can't I think right now? Whatever, we get a lot of snow states. We get a lot of Massachusetts, um, things like that. So like, where are people coming from? You know, for Orlando, I think it shifts all the time because it depends on like what big company is coming to town. Um, so you wanna know where people are coming from. You wanna find agents there. Um, and then I think the other thing is just like anything in life, like be willing to give before you receive. So when I meet an agent and we actually click, because the truth is like, I don't want to be referring somebody who I wouldn't work with or want to spend time with. And so, you know, most of the people, like if you see, and I so funny because this has become like its own monster. And so I'll have random people that I don't know at all that I'm not even friends with on Facebook that'll start commenting for me because I think they're trying to like buy my love which is fine because I'll take the free publicity, but I'm like, who are you? For the most part, if you see somebody say my name on Facebook, like I have met them in person. I've probably worked with them. They were probably at my wedding because like half of my wedding was KW agents. Like it's just kind of my people. Um, and so, but when I made those, when I made those relationships or started those relationships, I wasn't like, hey, are you gonna like send me referrals and comment for me and do all this stuff? It was like, hey, you're awesome. I'm gonna help you. 
And when you hook enough people up, hook somebody up enough times, whether it's sending them a referral direct, whether it's you happen to be on Facebook, see something in their city and comment for them. And for me, I'll usually, if I, if I have a second, I'll go above and like, I will text the agent like, Hey, you're up. Here's the link to the post. If I have an extra second, I'll do a quick Google and look up the person's number and send them their number. Like, Hey, go get it. You know, you do that a few times for somebody you you've bought their loyalty and I don't say bought cause that sounds shady. Like you've earned it, you've earned their loyalty and now they're going to support you. So I think you've got to give before you receive. And then I will tell you just in general, and it's so funny because it is proprietary and yet I know most people won't listen or won't be willing to do it. Like the way you get the, re the referral that you see on Facebook, the way you get it is to call the agent, call them, pick up the phone. It is so easy to find someone's number now. If it's KW to KW, you just look in Kelly or, or in command. If it's anybody else, you just Google Joe Smith real estate. They're going to come up with their phone number right then and there. And unless it explicitly says don't call because I'm a big like, because if I post, I say don't call. And if you call me, I am not giving you my referral because you just told me you can't read. That's what I think. Unless it says don't call, I'm calling. And, and not at like midnight or anything. Anyway, so like I'm gonna pick up the phone or at least text. I'm gonna do something other than comment with the sea of lemmings that are all commenting. Because if you're in a bigger city, I mean, these Tampa, like, well, trust me, I've, like Lindsay, I've seen Denver, like, 150 comments i'm like okay yet how many people actually reached out probably more than one and yet way less than 150. so you just you you raise your chances by reaching out and connecting you know if i miss them i'll usually shoot a quick video rather than leave a long voicemail i know they won't listen to and i'll text them a video you know that way they can see me they can hear me they feel like they've met me like it's just it's simple stuff and then the last thing i'll say and again consistency because you'll start going for referrals in the Facebook groups and you're going to get frustrated because you're not going to get me at first, or maybe you'll get lucky and yet you're going to get a lot of no's. What I said earlier is very true. If you're consistent and if you're in there a lot, people will search and they will come to you with referrals because they don't want to bother posting. They don't want to get a bunch of texts and emails and phone calls. So they'll just go direct to you. And, and that, that has been huge. Like that, that pays for my family's life. I mean, truly like, the money that I make through referral business is enough to completely fund our life. The rest is pretty much gravy, if I'm being honest. So it's just, it's really, it's just been a cool thing. And I think it's just evidence that there's, there's no, there are certain things that are sacred and yet there's no one way to do this business. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to love expired. You don't have to love FISBOs. You don't have to, I think you have to have some sort of referral situation. So if it's not agents, you got to love on your sphere. Like, I feel like that's the non-negotiable, but other than that, like there's, there's different ways to build this business. And especially like stepping into the coaching side a couple of years ago, like the thing that would always make me want to stab my eyes out was the people that said, well, I don't, I don't know enough people. I don't know a lot of people, or I don't know anybody locally or like stuff like that. I'm like, well, so go meet them or, call the people back in Ohio where you're from because they have real estate needs too. build a referral business. Like, like it's just an excuse, like go out there and meet people, go out there and connect with agents. If you don't really want to connect with civilians, like whatever, like there's so many ways to do this. There's just, we like to come up with excuses. Absolutely. Um, so other than the epic golden ticket idea nugget that you dropped for us, um, what else don't are take you golden? I will cut you. So pick another color. <laughs> I'll pick teal. I'm already calling it. So, so Jess and I can both have teal. 
Um, so what else are you doing like to follow up with those people? Because that's really your sphere. That's your core business. That's your referral family. How are you following up with them and what kind of maybe pop buys would you do for them um, after closing to keep front of mind other than just on social media? Are you doing anything like sending them anything? Um, I really don't. See, that's the funny thing. I really don't, if I'm being honest. And it's funny because a lot of the agents that I am in relation with, or relationship with, like they're, they, they're really, like I just got some really nice, like, um, what do you call it? Whatever, like the thermal coffee mug, like a nice one. Like it, it wasn't a Yeti and yet it was probably that quality. And, and I'm like, that's awesome. And I'm also kind of laughing to myself, like you could have saved yourself the 20 or 30 bucks. Like, cause I don't care. Like I, like to me, relationship is everything. And so what do I do? I stay in touch with them. I talk, I mean, I've got probably, I talk to 10 to 20 agents a day. Now, maybe not voice to voice, voice, wow, voice to voice. Maybe it's text, maybe it's email, maybe it's interaction on Facebook. <coughs> excuse me, not COVID. Um, it's just, <laughs> I literally just keep in touch and make sure that the relationship is still a thing because the, you know, if I've got like my favorite agent in Nashville, okay, well, I'm not going to have a referral for that person all the time. I'm not going to catch the post all the time. So I better make sure I talk to them once or twice a month so that they don't forget about me and, and I don't forget about them. Um, so that's really all I do. I don't do a lot other than that. Which is, I mean, I think know. it's awesome though. I mean, you've already got that much of a return from not having to send out presents or gifts or whatever. Um, so that's something that we can all learn from that if you just stay present and stay front of mind that you might not have to spend all that extra money and it's not as daunting as it might seem. And it doesn't matter if you're marketing to other agents or if you're marketing to your clients and following up with them year after year. Um, if you just stay front of mind with them and you interact with them genuinely, you're probably gonna stay pretty busy, right? I think so. I think the relationship is literally everything. And so I just, and no, like I know agents that do all sorts of gifts and pop buys and they run a great business and that works for them. And that's fine. Like I'm, I'm cheap. I, I don't, I don't want to spend money if I don't have to. I, I, I run a very, I mean, the way where our business is, my profit should probably be way lower than it is. And yet I'm just, I'm ruthless. Like I don't spend money if we don't have to, um, you know, we do, I mean, before COVID we were still doing client events. Even that though, we got to the point where we were very strategic with what we did so that if 10 people showed up or a hundred people showed up, we weren't going to pay for the hundred cause only 10 showed up. Like we only did things that were going to be paid by the person, you know, little things like that. You don't, you don't have to spend all your money to make money. I so many realtors spend as much as they make. And I just, it makes me sad because those are the people that if the market shifts, those are the people that are going to instantly lose everything. And it terrifies me. And I want money in the bank and I want profit even when business is down. And so I just, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm the guy that, you know, there's, you know, once a week, somebody posts in one of the Facebook groups, what are we doing for closing gifts these days? You know, and I've just stopped answering because you get barrage. I'm like, I don't give them like, what other service do you go to that you get gifts? Like, you know, and I'm not comparing us to doctors or lawyers. They went to school forever. They're saving lives, like whatever. I'm not saying that. And yet income wise, we're similar. Like they don't give you a gift. Like why, why are we giving? And, and again, nothing wrong if you do, like it's no offense. I just don't think you have to. I think some people literally, like if you love to shop or put gifts together, 
I mean, I have a friend that puts together these amazing gift baskets that are personalized to every client. I'm certain those clients never forget them. She's got a very strong repeat and referral business. Like, that's great. I just, I don't really want, I don't want to spend the money. I don't want to take the time. My memory is awful. So personalizing it, that's hilarious. Like I'm paying attention 100% when I'm with my clients. I am not retaining their pets' names, often their kids' names. Like I, I just, I'm not, I don't remember the details. So for me, it doesn't really make sense. And I'm not gonna, I don't want to give people like, you know, here's one of my 50 generic gifts that I have way, like, I don't know. It's just not my thing. So I think, and I think that's, so that's what I'm like, it's no offense to anybody that does any of that stuff. If that's your thing, do it and do it awesome and kill it. Like I know where my strengths are. And I've just, that's another thing I've learned over the years is like to stay in my lane. Like I don't need to be great at every aspect of the business. I've got a few things I'm really good at. I've got a few lead sources that I'm really good at. Why not just focus on that rather than spread myself thin and make myself crazy? Because I think that's another big pitfall with agents. They, especially newer agents, they're, they're going to do eight open houses a week and they're going to call everybody they know every two weeks and they're going to door knock flyers and they're going to master FISBOs and expireds and do all these things. And I'm like, well, when do you have time to breathe or actually service a client when you get a lead? Like, I think you pick your one or two things, get awesome at them, maybe add on a third. If you've got a big enough team, you can add on more from there. And yet at a certain point, like you don't need to be great at everything. Life's too short. I don't want to work 24 seven. Are you using leverage to systematize that referral business at all? Like with the millions of tags and all this, stuff? if we hit the secret sauce and you want me to edit it out, I will. But yeah. like, are you, are you doing that at all? Like um, having admin or people watching your. I haven't, I've thought about it. I've thought about it. I haven't. Um, at this point, I feel like I have enough people that like me and support me that it's working at a high level. I'm sure it could be better like anything else. And yet I just, I'll be real. I struggle, you know, if you're active in referral groups at all, even if you never get them, you hear the people that get up in arms every once in a while and talk about like pay to play groups and all that. And they do exist. They don't exist at as high as as high of a level as people think. Like some people just want to come up with excuses. I, I, I never like, that's not me. And I don't want to get accused of it. So I thought before, like, I don't know, what if I hired somebody to just cruise Facebook for however many hours a day and catch things? I, I don't know. Then do I fall into that category? And I, like, I just, I don't want to be that person. So right now, like life is good. I just, I don't feel the need to change anything right now. I do think, I, I think the next big thing is to systematize some sort of like drip system that isn't annoying because I'm on a lot of, realtors emails especially from doing the coaching and and i look kudos to them for doing their job and yet i'm also an agent and i'm getting stuff that's like client focused and i don't i don't want that so i haven't come up with it yet so i don't do it and yet i'd like to come up with some sort of campaign that was actually like adding value to agents so that if an agent got it they might not be annoyed they might actually scan it or read a little bit of it rather than just trash it because I just don't, I don't want to be another email in their inbox. So that's the one thing that I have thought of doing to plus on it a bit is how can I take this giant database of agents and add value to them while also staying front of mind so that I get referrals? Like, how do I make it a win-win? So I don't have the answer yet. And yet that's the next thing I would probably do. 
So yeah, right. In your free time. So you are venturing out into team leader land. So tell us a little bit about that. So yeah, I'm excited. I, I, I never thought I would do it. Um, Definitely like the whole time I was with KW in California and I was super, I mean, my old team leader then who was Dan's as well, like she's one of my closest friends still. She's family. I love her would have never taken her job. I, I watched what she did. I watched her stress and I was like, heck no, no, thank you. Um, and then I moved to Florida and, you know, I was asked that my, well, I'm actually still, my license is still with my old market center. I, I never moved it because of the hub and expansion block. I was asked a couple of times when there was changeover and I was like, nope, not interested. And honestly, this time it was just different. I was approached by um, the OP of the office I'm taking over is also our regional OP. And she's, I mean, uh, it's whatever, you know what office I'm going to. It's Nikki Ubaldini. Like, if you've been with KW for a while, you know her name. Like, she's a big deal. She was in the original Gary's Top 100. I mean, she's quoted in the MREA. Like, so she approached me, and it's her office that she owns. I was like, okay, well, if I'm ever going to do it, I think this is probably the time to say I'll do it. And um, when I took the bold, when I took the job bold coaching, um, which I, I mean, bold changed my life. Like I could do a whole, I could talk for days on that. Like you you don't even know, like bold change, everything that's good in my life right now started at a bold room. I'll tell you that right now. And so that was like my dream job because I truly, like I can sell houses with the best of them. I don't like, it's not like, like doesn't make me feel alive. And yet helping somebody, whether it's helping them see something within themselves they couldn't previously see, whether it's helping them hit a goal, they were like, no, that'll never happen. Like things like that, or gosh, helping them through something personal, cause that'll come up too. Like that is fulfilling. And so I felt like it was the right person at the right time because bold is, you know, now it's gone all virtual, which is awesome. It's still there. And I think it's gonna be that way for at least another year probably is my guess. There's no like, there's no, finite answer that's just my guess um and that's just not my thing and so I figure okay well this is an opportunity for me to get in a position where there's more to it and yet really the ultimate goal is to consult and coach with your agents and keep them happy and healthy and productive and so that's the main reason I took it on it was like the right person asked me it's the right office it's 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 in Tampa so it's where I am so there's no real relocation um, even though we are going to move to be closer to the office, that's a whole other pile of crazy we're about to jump into. Um, however, it's, it's also, it's going to give me all the good stuff that I was getting as a bold coach. And, and again, Keller Williams, land of Ann, not of or like they've already, she's already said when bold goes back to in person, if I want to, you know, I could never do more than one at a time. It would be too much from the office. And yet if numbers are good and the office is running well, then they're fine with me going and coaching a few bolds a year. So, I mean, it's just really, it's just, it was a really cool opportunity. And I was like, I can't say no to this. So I'm excited. It's, I, I love change. I love challenge. I get bored way too easily for my own good. And so I won't be bored for a while because this is a whole pile of crazy new stuff that I've been around the company for a long time. And yet now actually, I mean, I'm not in the role technically yet. And yet, being involved in things and seeing what's happening. There's so much to the job that you don't realize unless you have it. So it's going to be real uh, interesting for the next few months, but I'm excited. Jess, did you have a question? Me? Yeah, no, that was me that wrote me. Mm -hmm. You just finished that house. 
Yeah, I know. We <laughs> we did. Well, it's never really finished because I can't sit still. Um, so a lot, you know, a lot has changed. We're bringing in the two girls, and you know, we have a really beautiful house, and it's it's big enough. I mean, it's it's obviously it's ample size for our family, and yet it's not ideal. And um, we could definitely use an extra bathroom with the extra bodies coming in. And, um, and where it, you know, I, Tampa's a big city. So even though it's in the same area, it's like an hour commute each way to the office. And I don't, I don't want to be in my car for two hours a day. Um, when I could be with my family or doing something for myself or whatever, or sleeping an extra bit, like I just, I, I, I don't want to do that. And so, you know, look, we've only been in this house for a year and yet we've built some massive equity because the market's insane and the interest rates are still basically free. So I figure, all right, I, I look for opportunity. I don't want to move again because it just sounds disgusting to physically move again. I can't handle it. And we're going to get top dollar for this house and we'll be able to get into something else more expensive and our payment's probably not going to change very much. And I'll be closer to work and we can stay there a long time, which might never happen if we're being real. And yet hopefully it happens. And so, yeah, that's the plan. So yeah, we did just finish it and now we're going to go start fresh somewhere else. I just feel like, like you're so like brave and I'm a really, really, really high D, but I seem to like, I'm learning now for sure, like get stuck in these like really high C obsessively like anxious places, but you're just like, I'm done with LA. I'm going to go to Florida. Like I'm done with this house. I'm going to go to another one. I'm sick of the Jaguar. I'm going to buy, like, all, you're just moving all the time and you never seem to get stuck anywhere. Like, how is that even emotionally possible? Because I want to be that way. I don't know, honestly. I think I'm crazy. And I think a lot of people think I'm crazy. And yet I just, I don't know. I, one of my funny things that I'll always say, because what do you hear from people a lot of the times? They've got too much on their plate. And I'm like, get a bigger plate they make bigger plates. Like I, and that's just how I look at life. Like I look for opportunity. There was no, was it the ideal time to take on a new role? Probably not with bringing in new kids. And my sister and her family have just moved here from across the country. My mom's up next. She's about to list her house. Um, and so all these great things are happening. It was a great opportunity. So I'm going to make it work. You know, it's a bit of a commute we know that in the next year or two, we were probably going to move because of the expanding family. Well, let's just do it now so that we have quality of life with this new job. Like I just, also, I have no C and no I. I am all D, uh, no, I have I, I can talk. I have no S and no C. So I'm high D, I high either, I. either, but I must have like off the charts anxiety or something because I'm like, whoop, whoop, stop, panic. Panic is happening. I get, I get anxious. I'm pretty good at shutting it down. Like I'm not immune to it. I just, I think I've learned, like, I don't know, like you can worry about something or not worry about it. It doesn't really change the outcome. So I've just, I've worked over the years to not be such a worrier. Cause if you, like, if you ask, like, you've asked my mom, like somebody that's known me all my life, like I am a worrier naturally. And yet I think I've gotten pretty good at being like, okay, I'm going to have my five minutes of freak out and then whatever. What's the worst that happens? I take the job, I fail. Okay, I still have my real estate job and I won't fail because I'm way too competitive. Like I'll literally kill myself. Like I won't, like not actually, you know what I mean? I will work till I figure it out. Like same thing with the move. All right, well, we move into the next house and it's not the right one. Well, then we'll move again, whatever. I've never lost money on a house, it's fine. I don't know, I just, I don't, 
I don't choose to spend my time worrying. I could easily go there naturally though. So I get it. Like, I think it's just, it's a choice, like everything else, like your mood's a choice. Your, what the is, way you react to things is a choice. What is Brian's personality though? I and mean, is he like, cousin, please stop. Like we just got here, please stop moving. No, so he's, he's got, so he's a high D with a ton of C. Ooh. He's a, like no I. Um, and so he keeps my crazy in check a little bit. You know, he's the one to be like, no, we're not going to list the house today because we just started talking yesterday about moving. Let's actually talk about it a little bit more. Um, he's the one that'll say, hey, you know, maybe don't get that car just because you passed the dealership and it caught your eye. Like, let's maybe think about it overnight. Like, and he supports the crazy. So that's like, it's a really, that's another thing that makes the marriage work really well. And, you know, he'll support anything I do business-wise. He'll give his opinion and then he'll support and same thing with anything else. He's never like, you can't do that. You won't do that. It's more like, hey, maybe you should think about this first, or maybe we should talk about this. But then ultimately, and yeah, I'm the same way with him. I mean, I think that's like, gosh, whether it's your marriage, marriage, or a business partnership, like you ultimately have to trust the other person or else it's never going to work. So we give opinions and then ultimately trust that the right decision happens. And if not, we'll fix it. <laughs> I just so, love you. Oh, my so, Thank you. I just love you. Um, I feel like I learned something today on top of the other things I learned. I just learned that your mindset doesn't have to be a positivity or negativity thing. It can be how open you are to chaos and how you thrive with change. And that's like a huge thing, obviously, in your life. And I think a lot of business owners are terrified and realtors are terrified of failing. Whereas you're, you're thriving in the chaos of the uncertainty and kind of probably looking forward to it because I feel like we're kind of similar um, in that you have to be challenged. And if you're not challenged, you're bored. And so you're totally. either going to get into some trouble or you probably will start another business. Um, so there's always two sides <laughs> of the way you think of something, but I, I totally just learned something today. So <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. You guys are great. We hope you loved our show today. If you enjoyed it, do the homegirls a favor and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Share this episode with all of your homegirls and friends and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at homegirlsco.